0: This is the What's Next podcast, Houston's number one platform, where I invite creatives to share their journeys and give us a depiction of their visions. Most importantly, the last question I'll ask is, what's next? Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Dear John, the iconic legend Quincy Jones said, to know where you came from makes it easier for you to get where you're going. Sean Diddy Combs said, Everyone has challenges and lessons to learn. We wouldn't be who we are without them. If 2018 and the last six years taught you something, it's that anything is attainable with the right focus and determination. Continue to build. Continue to promote your vision. Continue to inspire creativity and make more creatives. In closing, Nas said, no idea is original. There's nothing new under the sun. It's never what you do, but how it's done. The first chapter of your visions, movements is done. However, you're still a visionary. Peace and blessings. John Rawls.
1: Y'all feel like
0: 95. on my body. that in my Houston, Texas, welcome back to episode number 40. Air horn for that. Air horn for that. Air horn for that. Air horn for that. Episode number 40 of the What's Next podcast. The production is still Visionary, Inc. My name is John Ross, Dr. First. And Vince, before we get started with the episode, I want to introduce our social media handles so we don't disrupt the flow of the conversation when we get to that point. Go ahead.
2: All right. So, um, Facebook, I'm um, Black Blues. It's B L A C K B L U E Z. Okay. And on Instagram, I am I am Black Blues. Okay. It's about the same way. B L A C K B L U E Z. Do you have a website? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <what? laughs> no doubt. My name <laughs>
0: My name is John Ross Dyke, the first, and you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at John Ross Dyke and still underscore visionary. If you would, connect with me on LinkedIn. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, Like my fan page on Facebook and visit my website at stillvisionary.com. If you would... It's the holiday season so shop stillvisionarycom apparels. Vince, how you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you, Jay Ahafra? Um
0: <laughs> I'm great, man. I am I'm am, I'm am great. Uh this is episode number 40. So we are finally finally out of the 30s, man, and I'm grateful to have you here. Right. So, um listen, it's been a long time coming, Virgo brother, that yeah. we uh get a chance to sit across from each other and talk about your journey. Right. And, uh, um, you know, you're a poet. you got a lot on your plate. We're going to dive into everything. Um, but today, before we get started, I want to say a shout-out to Ms. Blue. Today is her birthday. Hey. Shout-out to you, Ms. Blue. Today is your birthday. So when you see this tomorrow, yesterday, tomorrow would have been your birthday. Um, so um, creativity comes from experiences, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, I know you. Um, to be a poet, I know you to be an incredible writer. Courtney mentioned that you were a great writer. Jayla's mentioned that you're a great writer, right? So take me back to the experience um, that had you start writing.
2: Um, When I first started writing, it was like, um, I was in junior high school when I really started taking it seriously. But um, actually my very, very first poem, there was somebody that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a disc, rap <laughs> about that person okay. and then I accidentally turned it in to my teacher with some of my work because I'm crazy <laughs> and she read it and she was like oh wow it was kind of vulgar but she's like that's vulgar but um you accidentally turned this in but she's like you're very descriptive like you're really good mm-hmm. so um after that I would always write and um like at Fort and my writing was the one that the teacher would Use as an example for everyone. Yeah. Like, hey, somebody in this class wrote this, and I was always embarrassed. Cause I'm like, oh, are they talking about me. But then finally, I realized, well, I have a gift, mm-hmm. and that gift is to write and and to take stories and you know just put them down and and have other people relate to them. Okay. So from that moment on, it's like I just kept writing um, on my own, writing everything. Like you say, most people know me as a poet, Yeah. but I write. Everything, <laughs> like it, I have no limit to what I write.
0: So do you remember that, that what you wrote in that paper? My diss poem? Yeah. Oh,
2: <laughs> uh, that was like in the
0: 90s. Yeah, Houston, Texas, what 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 I like to, so Black Blues and I, we go way back, obviously. Um, and like I told Courtney in episode number 39, where she is, you are, and mm-hmm. where you two are, Jayla is, and yeah. where you three are, I feel that I belong. Right. So, so we go back a long, long time, and um, I met you, obviously, in the poetry scene. What is it about poetry to you that kind of um, fuels you to keep being a poet?
2: Um, one uh, one thing I noticed in my writing and just um, sometimes in the way that I speak, mm-hmm. um, people always like, "Oh, I say something. i are like, oh, I write poet. And I wasn't trying to be poetic. Yeah. It's just the way it comes to me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, poetry is like one of the best ways for me to express myself yeah. to other people. And um, always knowing how to manipulate the English language to make people feel a certain way or to make people relate to me, it's like, it's so, it just comes so easily to mm-hmm. me. So I'm like, okay, well poetry is my main thing.
0: So when you write, do you, how many how many pieces do you write, would you say, did you write in like a week's time, a month's time?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, whatever come to me. Like I don't force it, mm-hmm. so I hate, Anytime I have a deadline, like, oh, can you write a new poem by this time? It's like, it's really hard for me because I like to take my time. I'm very patient with my craft. So if I start writing a poem and I know it's not where it's supposed to be, it might be another year or so before it's actually done. But I can start things like every day, like just filling something, you know, about a certain situation. I might start something, but it's not a final draft. So. It might take almost a year to actually finish it. Okay, right.
0: okay. So, um, you know, blues, um, black blues. Black blues. That's a, a name uh, that you you refer to or you use as a poet. That's as a my poet. poet name. How do you? How did you come up with that name?
2: Well, <laughs> um, I was wanting to be a poet. I used to be an internet poet. Okay. And um, you got to explain what that means. An internet poet. Yeah. Um, I had I never performed before. Okay. I was just writing poems, and I wanted somebody else's um, opinion because my family is going to say, oh, that's good, you know, that's mm-hmm. a great poem. Yeah. I needed people who didn't know me, who wasn't worried about my feelings, to say, hey, that's a great poem for me to know I was on the right track. Mm-hmm. So there was a um, new website, and it was like Black Something, and I was like, okay, well, I need a name. I wanted to relate to the website. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well... Black And I'm like, well, what could be like the opposite of that? Like what's something that's going to be like black and then take you in another direction? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, black blues? Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good to yeah. the ear. Yeah. But then after that, I became a very uh, revolutionary poet. I talked about um, most of my issues were black issues when I started. So it kind of took on its own thing, black blues and, you know, the brother that write the poems about black people. Okay. But yeah, at first it was just it just came to me just like that. It was yeah. no thought behind it. Just I need two things, black blues. <laughs>
0: you know, um, so I harking back to the conversation I had with uh Jayla mm-hmm. and the conversation that I had with Courtney and they both mentioned that um you were an incredible writer, right? Oh,
2: they're so sweet.
0: Like I said before, they, they, they both mentioned that you were an incredible writer. Right. Um, what is it how do you feel that um you connect in your writing. Talk about, because we, we've spoken before about poetry, right. and there was one point in time where you wanted me to slam, but right. I, I, I had no idea why or how to do that. Right. And um, when I talked to uh, Kodak mm-hmm. and on the podcast, he said that you had a certain way of rearranging things and giving the input of making it sound differently and, right. and placing it in a better position. When you write, how is it that you uh, connect Um, to people or from
2: or through people right number one you always hope to connect you're not sure if it will connect so when you're writing one thing I always say um, people understand genuine human emotion okay and to not try to write something and try to be so extra deep like on word about how it sounds no let's let's really dig in there and be very honest about what we're writing you know and then um, what Kodak spoke um, of is sometimes we're right and we have a bunch of, you know, good things, but you have to know how to serve that, you know? Mm-hmm. If you have like a, when you go out to eat, you know, you get your drinks, then you get your appetizer, then you get your meal, then you get your dessert. But you know, that's how it is with poetry. You don't just, a, a mistake that I've seen a lot of poets do is they get a, they think of a good line and then they put that line, that's like the first thing that they say and then they sit there and make us listen to three more minutes of it just I don't wanna say BS, but <laughs> just this craziness because they have that good line that they want to get on stage and say. But no, when you have that good line, it gotta come at the perfect moment, you know? It's mm-hmm. like eating a cool cup. Yeah. In that cool cup, you start at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is kind of good. Oh, you know, but when you get right to that middle yeah, part, yeah. <laughs> My mouth watering. You get to that middle part; and it's all juicy, and yeah. that's exactly see what I'm saying. That's exactly where you want the good part to come. Yeah. So then you you build around that, mm-hmm. so you can have two or three good lines, and then once you start building on those two or three lines, all of a sudden you have created this thing where you're you're bringing people in. <laughs> I'm like you're bringing, you're bringing people into that middle part, yeah, and then you get them out of it, and then they leave, and they're like, You got the genuine human connection, and people mm-hmm. like, Hey, I can identify to that, mm-hmm. you know, not just being a poet or I can play with words, or you know, I can use these words, these 50 cent words, and big mm-hmm. words, and no, you want that genuine human connection and emotion to go to the people, and that's about being completely honest okay being completely honest
0: so So, um you wear so many hats (laughs) you wear so many hats not only are you a creative when it comes to writing Mm -hmm. um but you also have a daytime job you Mm -hmm. also teach Mm -hmm. right and so um one of the things that i was super appreciative of of your craft was um back in the day when we were doing the movie Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I like to call you my once upon a time acting coach. <laughs> <laughs> right? We I, did I like have a couple sessions. Yeah, yeah. We had, right. we did, we did. <laughs> and um, I love, I love the way that you're able to, even when I when I see you direct. I love the way that you're able to tell us exactly what you know that people would like to see. Mm-hmm. Can you speak on that?
2: Well, like it's the same thing I was talking about: genuine human connection. And um, when it comes down to acting, because that was my first love, yeah. I was act- an actor first. And um, when it comes down to acting, people want to look and they want to get lost in the story. Okay, they don't want to look and see an actor on stage acting. You know, mm-hmm. they want to see it and they want to start to feel it. And if their heart must thump, <laughs> then their heart is gonna thump. Mm-hmm. And so that comes in acting. That comes about with being real as an actor. Don't mm. act anything out. And that's one thing I always told you. Yeah. Think back to something that's close to the situation. And then when you get to that point of, okay, I remember this. This was close. Relive that in that moment. And if you're reliving it and you're feeling those emotions, it's going to transfer to the audience. Mm. Always.
0: Okay. Um, Poetry in Houston, how would you describe it?
2: Um. It's a lot of poets in Houston. Okay. that's The, the game is, um, that's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say oversaturated or? Um, no, because I like the fact that people want to express themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do what you do. Um, when it comes down to actually learning the skill of, of poetry and, and building on what you have, I feel like um, a lot of people – just feel like oh, let me perform, you know, perform, okay. and they don't really want to get in there and learn their skill. There was one guy, he's like a new poet, and he was like, um, "I haven't been able to make it out to the poetry scenes because I don't, you know, my car broke down. I don't have a ride." And I said, "Well, you know what? That's great, because at this point, you can start to build on your craft." Mm-hmm. So I told him, I was like, um, "Read." Cause, because you, you got to read a lot to be able to be a good poet. So I was like, read and write and study all the forms and then perform. And he was like, oh, it's a lot of that that I just really don't want to do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like what part of it? And he was like, oh, yeah, the reading and the studying part. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but that's what's going to make, like whenever you hit the scene after this situation is over, that's what's going to make you great, that you have the time to sit down and read and study and learn your crap, you know? Mm-hmm. And as a poet, I look at, I've been um, performing poetry for like 18 years. Yeah. And I can see somebody who just started five years ago or even yesterday, and I will take something from them. I will watch them and I'm like, oh, I can learn from that. Mm-hmm. I like how they do this. Yeah. You know, I like how this person does that. Mm-hmm. And I just take it all and 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 put my style to it, you know, yeah, but some people don't want to learn from other people or they just want to get on stage and hey, you see me? I'm poeting, yeah, and I don't like that,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> you know? give me give me give me your top three, let's say quote unquote celebrity poets, and then give me your top three <laughs> Houston poets that you feel like if you hear them perform, you pull exact you you you're inspired by them to spit
2: right. Um, well, so, like celebrity poets or poets that are very well known. Um, one of my favorite poets is uh, Pablo Neruda. He's, uh, he writes, in, his all his work was in Spanish, but they translated into English, and it's mm-hmm. some of the most beautiful work you will ever hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, Maya Angelou was one of my favorite poets, one of the first poets that I really studied. My mom mm-hmm. bought me a whole, her whole anthology, mm-hmm. and so... My um, Angelo, and maybe, I'll say Saul Williams.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: As a performance poet, yeah, Saul, Saul Williams. And locally in Houston, of course, Self the Poet, Rain, mm-hmm. and Kodak. Okay. Yeah, those three um, amaze me, inspire me, you know. Even as um, sometimes as their coach, sometimes they bring me, you know, material. Well, you know, a co-coach with Rain, but still, a lot, of, a lot of times she will show me like something new that she has and it just completely inspires me, like wow. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, Kodak himself, same thing. And in Houston, I just think, I ain't trying to brag, but I think God Slam, in Houston, some of the best poets that ever hit yeah. the stage in Houston.
0: Yeah, talk about um, your technique in terms of uh and maybe you've covered this, but uh, your technique and God slam's technique as to as to approaching a topic. Do y'all uh, pick the topic? Do you uh go around in a circle and you say, Okay, well we're going to talk about love and not just love but abstract love, love between maybe um God and his creation or or love between a mother and a daughter. Talk about how y'all y'all technique in towards approaching that. that you mean path.
2: like um, as far as when we when we write group yeah, poems, yeah,
0: and when you write individually.
2: Um, individually, it's pretty much anything that comes to you. You can write about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no restriction. Okay, you just sit down. Hey, I have this. You know, feeling. I want to write this. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as group poems are concerned, um, a lot of times one of us will have an idea, and we'll bring it to the group. Say, hey, I think this would be good as a group poem mm-hmm. and um, that person is usually what I call the curator of the poem so this is the poem this is the topic this is what we want to talk about and then we go in our separate ways mm-hmm. and we all write what we think the poem should be and then the curator takes all of the, the work mm-hmm. and figure out what goes where figure out hey uh, we don't need these lines this is good but then to connect this to that we might need a couple more lines so they'll write in some more lines just for the connection mm-hmm. but yeah we all um, pretty much go it all separate ways write the poem then the curator puts it together okay and um if you've seen any of our group poems before it sounds like one person wrote it yeah and it's like four or five people sometimes have written that poem but it sounds like one person wrote it because the curator has the final voice yeah. and so they kind of line it up but it usually it's not like it's one person.
0: So when you slam are all four of y'all reciting pieces of the poem or is it just the best person in the group? Oh
2: no. Um if we all write on it it's a group poem then we all perform at the same time. Okay. Yeah. It's a they call it a multi voice poem. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um what song's on your mind right now?
2: Um Fear by Kendrick Lamar.
0: Okay. And I'm gonna go with um um from um the Black Star album, uh knowledge yourself okay and uh uh we were i went to uh we had a basketball game at waltrip today and we were talking about 90s films and uh 2000s music and i'm going to go with tyrese lately Lately. shout out to my wife kizzy danae Former dyke i love you
2: (laughs) <laughs> lay lay oh, I like that song lay. I ain't heard that in a long time <laughs> Yeah
0: so I I'm mean, uh that it's on my mind I'm thinking about it right now and I text my wife that song um when I was playing it in the car Mhm So um <laughs> Black Blues um I think that I want to hear you recite um a Thanksgiving poem or whatever poem. No, no, whatever poem, whatever <laughs> poem that you have prepared to recite, you I said t- Thanksgiving poem. <laughs> I think they I- can't even
2: kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, yeah. I don't have one of those.
0: <laughs> no, but uh grace us with something. Give us something.
2: Okay. Must I say the title?
0: No, you don't have to if you don't want to. All
2: right. To some people. For some reason, they say I look like Tavik Bozeman. Maybe it's something in the facial structure. They can't really put their finger on it, but they say I look like him. And before that, I seem to remind white people of Chris Rock. Maybe it's something in the way that I squint at them in disbelief that reminds them of him, but really, they say he could be my brother. And before that, I seem to remind people of Eddie Murphy. Maybe it's something in the gap-tooth smile, or the laugh, or the black. See, when you tell me I look exactly like another black man, it's hard for me to take that as a compliment. When you stretch your vocal cords wide enough for me to see that racism resting inside your voice begins to split the air like the crack of a whip. When you feel comfortable enough to expose the fragments of your thoughts, kind of remind me of your great-great-great-grandmother. See, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's something in your eyes, you know, the way they see all black people the same. And your brain is the spitting image of hers. I can't quite tell you what it is, but it it is something, especially in that prejudice part. See, when, when you tell me I look exactly like another black man, it tells me you can't separate my innocence from another's guilt. My give is a dead ringer for his take. I got the same eyes as a black murderer. But when is the black man allowed to just be? See, they can't quite put their finger on it, but but it's something in the way we barbecue, something in the way we check out at Starbucks, something in the way we check out an Airbnb, something in the way we peek out our window to see danger coming, something in the way we eat a bowl of ice cream in our own apartment that reminds them of suspicion, reminds them of criminal activity. Really, really, we could be a criminal, and ain't that the melting pot calling the nigga black? See, white folks are picking up cops, aiming them at our heads, discharged with intent to kill, and all of a sudden the police looks just like a pistol. And before that, just like a water hose. And before that, just like a perfectly knotted noose around a nigga's neck. And if I jump before the gun goes off, there's already a pre-written alibi scribbled across your tongue. The same tongue that say I look just like Eddie Murphy will say I look just like Tamir Rice. Especially the way my youthfulness will dissolve before your eyes. And before that, I look just like Eric Garner. Especially the way my windpipe will collapse in your hands. And before that, I look just like Trayvon. Especially in this bullet hole that I'm about to receive. You see? You see how that don't sound like no compliment? How your blindness to my individuality is a threat to my own safety? Today, I look just like Chris Rock. Tomorrow, I look just like Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Especially around my talk outline. Mm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> hey,
0: look, we've been we've been Houston, Texas. We've been we've been looking off camera at Courtney. <laughs> the lame brand is in the building, but what, what, you got to give me the name of that poem. What's the name of the it's poem? It's
2: called Identical. Identical. Yeah.
0: And the inspiration behind it.
2: Um, the inspiration came when I noticed like, well first of all, uh, to white people I look like every black actor ever in life. <laughs> like, and they think it's like a new idea to tell me. Like, hey, you know who you look like. <laughs> Which one? Because I these people look nothing like each other, but I look like all of them. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, you know. So that, was already one thing. I was like, I want to write a poem about how I look like every black actor to white people. And then, um, I started seeing like, I was like, that that's kind of scary. You know, the fact that I look nothing like a lot of these black actors. Like, we might have one thing in common, but, you know, they, they think I look exactly like them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I was to be put in a lineup against somebody else, And that person, or they can't find the person, but then they see me. Oh, he looks exactly like him. That's him. So I'm like, oh, so all of a sudden I would be guilty. And then all of the police um, getting called on the black people for, you know, stupid reasons. I was like, oh, because it looks guilty. Because guilty looks black.
0: Mm. And
2: that's how that poem came about.
0: Mm. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Courtney, <laughs> Courtney's just shaking ahead. Because la you know, last week she like I said before in this episode, she said that you were just an amazing writer. Right. And um you know, I, I harken back to the time period where I used to perform poetry with you and Jayla sometimes and you you would always ask me, Well, why do you always have to write in that A B A B uh, a, to, <laughs> We can
2: hit those couplets from a mile away. <laughs> and um
0: I, I just like I heard you going all over the place with it, and I was like, "Wow, I, I just want to know how to write like that, or how to how to just be that expressive." And so that's why when 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 I um I think about poetry, I always quiver because I can't get outside of how I normally write it.
2: Right. Well, um, a lot of it comes in pre-writing too. Yeah. So you already like before I even start writing the poem, I have thought of a lot of things. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just jot them down. And I'm like, I gotta mention this. I have to mention that. And then you just free write and just, um, kind of like I tell my students, just keep writing and but don't pick up the pen. Like whatever comes to your mind, write that. Once you get that free write then and you start to kind of edit your poem and direct it, you have all this pre-writing and then the free write and you can put it together and figure out where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And um, using other poetic elements other than rhyme actually help you get out of writer's block a lot, <clears throat> you know? So using like um, alliteration, onomatopoeia, um, personification, mm-hmm. metaphors, and assemblies, which is figurative language. Once you get into doing that, all of a sudden you have more material than you actually need mm. because you can say the same things. Like, oh, now I'm going to personify it. Now I'm going to you know use it as figurative language. And so as you try the different things, then all of a sudden you have a whole poem. And like I say, sometimes extra. Like Kodak, Kodak writes take him a long time to write but when he's done he has like five pages of work <laughs> and it's like what do we do to get this five pages down to what you can use yeah. that's because he's trying all kind of things out
0: when you say prefer- personification what does that look like? what does that sound like
2: personification is to um take a an object that's not human and give it human qualities mm. right so if i was to say um like um the chair hugged me. Mm-hmm. That's personification. Oh, okay. So, I feel, okay. Or, the, or the chair swallowed me whole. That's mm-hmm, what okay. I feel like. okay. Um, that's personification. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, just to give human like qualities to something that's not human. Okay. Right.
0: So, um, as a poet, right, and um, you know, it's it. You know, it there's poetry, and then there's Maya Angelou. There's poetry, and then there's like you said, Saul Williams. Mm-hmm. How do you, coming from the great city of Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. get to the point where your name is um, known in Oklahoma, or known in like Utah, California, right, um, New Jersey, places like that? How do
2: how do you do that? Um, one of the biggest ways is, I guess, to get published. Okay. but um, also through slam poetry, you travel a lot, and then mm-hmm. you get to know poets from all over. And then, you know, you can hit them up and like, hey, I'm trying to do a tour, you know, I'm be around your area. Mm-hmm. So then they may book you in those places. Also, um, you have Right About Now, which is a, um, they have a venue, but they also record a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a really, really, really good uh, fan base for the videos that they put out. Mm-hmm. I'll, actually have a video that's at like 92K right now.
0: What, what's the name of um, the video? Right
2: about now. Um, The name of the poem is Fabric of My Life. Uh, if you look it up on Right About Now, it might say something like um, more than fashion or something they put on there. I don't know why, but it says more than fashion. It's um at like 92K right now. And okay. I've been getting, this is like over the last what week and a half, two weeks that they posted it. And I've been getting like people emailing me and, and hitting me up telling me like some great things. And I get to read like a bunch of comments about how people felt about that poem. Yeah. So that's another way. Okay.
0: Uh-huh. Do you mind if I, I put it in the episode?
2: Um, I can make um as long as there's a link. Okay. There's a link to um to their page. To their page, okay. Uh, to their um, YouTube page. As okay. Long as there's a link to it, I'm sure it's fine.
0: Okay, okay. So Houston, Texas, this is what we'll do. We're going to take a look at, what's the name of the video?
2: It's uh, called uh, uh, Fabric of My Life.
0: Fabric of My <clears throat> Life. You're now watching and listening to episode number 40 of the What's Next podcast, a production of Silver Visionary, Inc. This is Fabric of My Life.
2: So I was getting ready for this event, Right. Uh, was ready to be pulled up together, you know, swagged out. Uh-huh. When asked what I was wearing, something in my description somehow turned my swag into sass and I'm asked, Bro, do you think your outfit's a little gay? So before the hell no could fall from my lips, I had to think, I mean, I've only seen my pants hang around other pants. I ain't never no skirts hanging around and some of my pants have been mistaken for mom jeans and my pants have rubbed up against a penis and may or may not have liked it. Okay. And my search don't like much sports. Don't like sweat wrapped all up in it. Might it's all a Japanese blossom every now and then. Okay. And my search has never felt breasts before. Only the sharp edges of a man. And on second thought, I'm like, damn. I think my clothes might be a little gay. <laughs>
0: So uh, Houston, Houston, Texas. Uh, we only played a brief uh, moment of um, the fa- fabric of my life. Uh-huh. We only played a brief moment of fabric of my life, and and Vince, wh- why is that?
2: Um, just if you just go to the, to the link and just watch the whole video, okay. um, for uh, and see uh, right about now, and look at the other poetry that they have on there because they have some great poets. Like okay. they really produce the best quality work that you will see come through Houston. Okay. Um so that's you'll see a lot of great poets. So it's oh. a great opportunity to like, comment, subscribe to right about now.
0: Okay. Okay. So um um when you're slamming, right? Um how how far in advance do you prepare for a slam?
2: Um usually I slams Start Like the actual slam to get on the team starts in like January. Well, for my team, starts like in January. We might wrap up about March. So then we have from March into like August to get everything together. Mm-hmm. But if you're a poet and you know you slam, you already, like you don't stop. <laughs> you know, okay. all year round you're trying to create that because the the earlier you get it, the better. The you early. have more time to like practice the performance as opposed to, trying to write the poem yeah. with a deadline. Yeah. So the earlier you get what? The earlier you get your poem done. Okay. So like if I can get a poem written before slam season and it's, you know, to that level that I want it to be at, then that's great because I don't, when I go into writing, that's already that can already be included in a in the roster mm-hmm. as opposed to having to write a new poem and get it ready and then you don't have you don't have that much time to perform it and and get it to where you can, you know you're performing well and then get to the you know be comfortable enough to to slam with it because mm. in slam you have to be very comfortable <laughs> you know it can't be a new poem that you've never even really practiced a lot mm.
0: so. um Wow. so uh I never knew uh all of this about poetry. I thought poetry was the one thing that you just just jot down and perform right. and, and 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 I didn't know that there was levels to it. Where do you see yourself um you know what, well, let me save that question. Okay. So today is November the 25th, uh 2019, uh Thanksgiving week. Uh-huh. Right, Thanksgiving being this Thursday. Uh we have 36 days left in the 2019 year. What do you see yourself attaining in 36 days?
2: Well, there is this contest that I saw online. I was just like scrolling and it's with um button poetry. And um They're doing a chapbook contest, and it's due in January. But, you know, I already talked about deadlines. Mm -hmm. But there's this whole concept that I've come up with that I really want to, you know, tackle. And so that's what I will be working on for the rest of the year. And, like, you know, not putting myself out, not performing too much, because I always like to write more than I perform Mm -hmm. and read more than I write. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, just kind of... Closing myself in and focusing on the message that has been brought to me mm-hmm. and getting that out to the world.
0: Let me let me pick your brain right quick. I was listening to a, a podcast on the way here. And uh, as a poet, I want to hear what you think of this phrase. What do you think of the phrase, um, people think that the white man's ice is colder? What does that mean to you? People think that the... <laughs>
2: Um, you say people think that the white man's ice is colder. Yeah.
0: What and and, and and when you hear that phrase, what do you think about what do you think about when you hear that phrase?
2: Um, just people thinking that no matter what a white person has or whatever they can do, it's always gonna be better than what you have or what okay. you can do.
0: Okay. And I mean yeah. I was just listening to a podcast uh, Rest in Peace to uh, Combat Jack and Rest in Peace to Nipsey Hussle. I was l- listening to their podcast mm-hmm. and he was just talking about that and I and 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 knowing that we were going to do this podcast, I wanted to hear what you thought about that phrase right. because he referenced that phrase in the same manner that you referenced it right now. Uh-oh. So yeah. I just wanted to hear <laughs> I just wanted to hear what you thought about that.
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> okay. So um now as a poet, have you ever thought about? Have you ever gotten to the point in poetry where you say, where you say, okay, well, this is predominantly what I want to do. I won't screenwrite. I won't, you know, write for a TV show. I won't do anything else. Or it's just poetry. Your your lane.
2: No. Okay. Yeah, poetry is just some like I said, I fell into it, especially performance poetry because mm-hmm. like I said, acting was my first love. And then I like to write, so uh, performance poetry is marrying the two. Okay. I get to perform. I get to, you know, feel those emotions and put them on stage. And it's also something that I wrote. Mm-hmm. So, it was, like I said, it was just the two. But other than that, I mean, me, me and Courtney have been writing a script for a play that I think is just gonna blow the world's mind okay. once they <laughs> once they get a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, also I started off writing TV shows, and I would come up with a TV show when I was young. And whenever I was bored. I'll write an episode to the show. Okay, I'm like, okay, well, you know, and it's just writing. It's what I do. Poetry is just one of the ways that really, really came to me, and you know, I express myself. But I would never say I'm just going to focus on this, and I focus on the other. Okay, you know?
0: okay. So you, um, you talk about. See, this is the thing. All right. Um, last episode, I inserted a clip of uh, Jayla talking about Courtney and you Mm -hmm. okay this episode I'm going to insert a clip of Courtney talking about you and her (sighs) and Jayla.
1: yeah um, I actually had a conversation with Vincent um, or Black Blues earlier today and we spoke about that and what I thought in that moment when he kind of said well let's do this instead of what we had originally you know come into the circle and talked about doing. Mm-hmm. I told him as my friend, I really felt like that was a moment where he said let me protect her. No doubt. And I, I felt the I, same way. Yeah, because like and and that's what that's why we've been around each other for so many years. That's mm-hmm. why he is family. That's why yeah. he's like my brother now.
0: Yeah. So, talk about uh brothers. talk about um your relationship with Courtney. And um, how that manifests in your um, creativity.
2: Right. Okay. So we're um, with Courtney. it, It was God made Courtney and I friends before we met each other. Okay. He built all these things that made us so much alike and so similar. And it's scary sometimes that we think so much alike. Or we say the same things. It's like, what is going on? You know, you're looking at her like, how did you know that I was going to say that? Or how did you know I was thinking like that? Um, When we actually met each other, and I was like, oh, she's cool. Let me get her number, you know? Our phone number was the same, except the last number. (laughs) Like, but she's giving me her phone number. I'm looking like this is my phone number, you know? And get to the last number. That was the only thing different. Okay. So how weird is that? You know? Yeah. And um, when it came down to creativity, I was like, okay. Well, I told her like I'm a poet, and I asked her to go to a poetry spot with me. She said okay, and she stood me up the first time. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, uh. I know I said I was going to go with you tonight, but we're moving, and they want me to help, and I was like, (laughs) so, yeah, she stood me up, but then the the next time, I was like, hey, look, the guy, I think it was Pumpkin from Pluto, and at the Breakfast Club, and she had a show, and I was like, yo, we got to go, and she was like, okay, and I'm like, the girl better not stand me up. (laughs) But we got lost. (laughs) We got so lost going there. But we start going and then all of a sudden she was my poetry buddy. We would go out to the poetry um, spots and I got to know all the people, you know, and then she writes poetry too, Mm -hmm. okay? She's a very great poet, Mm -hmm. but for some reason she just really don't share that with people. Yeah. I understand sometimes you want to keep stuff to yourself, but yeah, yeah, she's a great poet and a great writer. And then, um, like, we always hung out at EB-5. And um, I know your next question is going to be like, well, what about Jalen?" So, hey, <laughs> here I go. So we start going to EB-5 a lot, which is an international art gallery uh, ran by Toby. I don't remember his last name. Toby. And um, the, rap- the
0: rapper from Houston?
2: He's not a rapper. Okay, okay. No. Oh, Toby. Shout out to Toby. That's yeah. my boy. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool okay so e b five e b five Toby, yeah. and um uh, all of a sudden, um I already knew um Jayla from being on the scene, but I didn't know her, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like she saw you know we started communicating at e b five she invited us out to a house party, we went over there, had good time, but then all of a sudden, it's like it went from this is my poetry friend to this is my friend for real, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. we did things together. I was dating a young lady at the time, and she she just loved – because at the time, Jayla and – oh, yeah, so let's not say that. So at the time, <laughs> Jayla was in a relationship. <laughs> and it kind of started at the same time as my relationship. So my girl wanted everybody to be – like didn't want us to hang out with single people. Okay. Wanted us to hang out. So then Jayla and her person became <laughs> – Stop. Jayla her person became our uh, people. Yeah. And even afterwards, like, Jayla's just that magnet that everybody's just, they gotta, like, I got to be around her. Yeah. And so, so sweet, so nice. I could just be like, oh, Jayla, call her up and talk to her about anything, you know? Mm. Yeah. So that's how me and Jayla connected. And then she started writing plays. She wanted me to direct, and I directed every play that she's done. Yeah. I remember. I know. You you were there. (laughs) Yeah, I directed every play that she's um, put together. I know she, I only want what's best for her. Yeah. And I see her vision, and I try to bring that to life. And sometimes I insert myself to the point that I think it's my play. And I'm like, yo, this is what we need to do, you know. But, yeah, I care about her and what she does with J. Laura Productions. No doubt.
0: So, um... Every play that you uh, have directed, I've um, except for one, except Karma, I've been there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know the process of preparing for the play, the day of, the week of, the months before, <laughs> right? Um, talk to us about how you, when you prepare to do that poem right mm-hmm. before or during intermission, or well, really before that poem, and the difference between you preparing for that poem and you preparing for like a slam or a stage poem that you're going to do at, at an event.
2: Right. So with most of the time with her poem with her plays, I open up and um as the director, I know I know that um I have to kind of set the tone and me going up first in slam poetry, they have this thing called a sacrificial poet. So this person is not a part of the slam. They just go up and they're judged and it's just to kind of, you know, set the tone. And um, I know that my actors are ready, but I feel like if once mm. they know, I'm gonna get, he's gonna go on stage first. Mm. Um, you kind of break the ice. Right. Let him go up, let him do his thing. Mm. And then when I hit that last line mm. and the curtains open, it's like, mm. y'all ready. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Yeah. And people don't know. I get off the, st- I work at the play yeah so I get off that stage from doing my poem, and I go backstage, <laughs> and I don't care I'm doing all kind of stuff I yeah. mean, I've worked the curtains a yeah. lot of times, you know yeah. for for y'all, but it, my thing is, okay, let me do this, and then when I get off stage, it's y'all moment, yeah, and I want y'all to shine and show everybody what we've you know been working so hard on when
0: you when you get to that point um when it's the we we we're talking about. Let's just take, for example, Favorite. Well, no, no, let's just take, for example, Love Is. Uh-huh. When we did Love Is. And I know that you, when you started that poem, we lay awake. <laughs>
2: what was the poem We How lay do you awake speak? at uh, the darkest part of the night.
0: Yes. When you start that poem, my mind goes to that to that dark tunnel. Mm. And all I see at the end is just the last line Rory. that's going to bring us out before a, cur- before a curtain call. But, um, for me, please. Would you would you recite maybe just half of that poem? <laughs> uh,
2: okay. <laughs> if that's you it. remember it, and well, I'll tell you right. why.
0: And I'll tell you why um, I asked you to do that.
2: Okay. We stayed awake the darkest part of the night, gaining witness in a twinkle of the stars. The air was filled with the scent of sugar cane burning, and I ask you, yo, what exactly is this feeling spilling over? You said, speaking this to anyone would be absurd. No one would understand the language that our tongues created or the humidity of passion fumbling from our mouths. We'll only hear the constant clicking of consonants and not the easy moaning of vows. Mistake the sweat of our romance for tears dripping from heaven's eyes and if it ever were a verb, it would only be half of what we're doing, and I agree, because somehow... God hid heaven in your fingertips. Mm. Your touch is hallelujah rumbling in my belly. You kiss me like there's a gospel song burning your throat. Give me your good news and I'ma tell it. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I will testify to your greatness. Place in books for all ages to read the gospel according to oh my God and ooh we. According to soft kisses on unexpected necks. Chill bumps find their place in my skin. placed gently in the indents of your fingerprints. My mind prays not to forget. I think that's why I forgot.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> you a know, <laughs> that was when I was when I was writing, um, script wise, to be able to have these uh, scripts so that I could um, produce them, produce them, right. produce them. Right. I was thinking about that um, that that poem that you spat, mm-hmm. and uh, the first part of the script that I wrote was that me and this girl were laying wide open in the bed. Uh, just couldn't talk, couldn't, couldn't face each other, didn't have any words to say, and I was like, "That would be a dope idea if if I took blues to the studio, had him record that, and I put that in the beginning of the, right. of, the of that uh, short film." Right, and I was I want to ask for your grace on that one. Could I, could I could I get you to do that for me? Most of. And I wanted to I wanted to record in the white room where me and Courtney recorded episode number right. thirty nine, but um, you know, I couldn't get in there today. Right. But I want to do that I want to do that because I want to produce that poem that poem I want to produce that short film sometime right. next year no problem and i need I need that i need that <laughs> I need that energy to, to that for you to start the uh the, the short film off like that no problem so man um I want to play a word association game with you um um and I'll give you a word and you tell me uh if you've ever used it or or the poem that you may have used it in. Oh.
2: <laughs> That's going to be hard. Okay. <laughs> or
0: or not not necessarily if you used it the word per se, but if you referenced that verb or that action in a poem. Okay. Okay. The first the first word I want to go with is isolation. Um the name of the poem. No. Okay.
2: Or maybe um, isolation. Maybe um. No.
0: Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. The next uh, word is um love.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. I have plenty of love poems. Which is cra- it's crazy. I usually write them for specific events, but I don't write them okay. just because but I have plenty of love poems.
0: The next word is forsaken.
2: Forsaken. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, in my bird poem. Okay,
0: what's the name of the poem? Bird. Bird. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next word is um.
2: Error. Error. No, I know no poems, but no errors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um. What's so crazy is I might have some, and it might be in there, but I don't. Um, when I memorize poems, I really don't think of the words. I think of the emotion. Mm-hmm. So, as I, you know, it might, is there, sometimes I go back and read a poem that I performed a million times. And then this time I'm actually reading it and I'm looking like, wow, I said that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like I'm amazed by the, the actual wording when I think about it. But uh, it's like the, po- the poem takes on like emotional blocks. So, I know from here, I start off like this, then I move to this. So, I really don't concentrate on. That a one word, mm-hmm. or it might start off as that one word, but by the time I perform it, it turned into something else, mm-hmm. you know? okay,
0: <laughs> and my last word is uh forbidden,
2: mhm, forbidden, yes, I have a poem called before we Were done, okay, um by the serial killer,' <laughs> a yeah, it's a real life serial killer, and um he he would strangle his women mm-hmm. and um uh, kill them, and they found like 11 bodies on his property. Mm. And, um, yeah, I wrote a poem, but it was, I, I switched it. So it was a love poem, and he was trying to explain to the judge why he did what he did. Mm.
0: So, so you wrote from the pres- I wrote from
2: his perspective. Of explaining to yeah, the judge. Yeah, because he originally said that he was not guilty. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, how can this man with 11 bodies on his <laughs> property say I'm not guilty? Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I got it explain how he could be not guilty. Yeah, And so it became a love poem. Okay. And he was like, yeah, they quit before we were done. Oh. All, they chose heaven instead of me.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Was he psychotic? Well, obviously.
2: <laughs> well, at first they tried to say, like, I think he tried to, they tried to plead insanity, but then they took that plea away. So Okay. He's and in, yeah, I think he in jail now. Okay. Anthony Sowell, <laughs> I think they had <laughs> locked him up and he had, like he ain't getting out. Okay. He not getting out. Okay. He, you know.
0: So this this uh this uh short film or this play that you're writing with Courtney, oh do you God. have any details, anything that you can give us? Oh and do I have God. a part in it?
2: You could. Okay. You could. Okay. And um let's see. Yeah, I can go into detail about it. Okay. It, it addresses um Okay. It addresses um molestation. Okay. And it also addresses um family. And understanding like how different people are affected by molestation. Yeah. Right. Um, said in New Orleans, baby. Okay. That's my New Orleans accent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from uh I'm from Shreveport. Don't get it twisted. So I can (laughs) I can force out a New Orleans accent. Yeah, we heard you as loud as you talking. <laughs> <laughs> you heard? Yes. So but we heard you. <laughs> So
0: when are you and Courtney planning on um doing the
2: uh um uh, this play? Yeah. Um I swear for God this has been uh, <laughs> this has been a work in progress. We've been working on it for years and the story is written, all of the dialogue is not written. Okay. And so we have to really get ourselves together. And write this dialogue and get it out there mm-hmm. because um the story is just ridiculous. It's okay. ridiculous. <laughs> okay. And uh,
0: um, when you wrote it, and whose whose uh, experiences did you pull from the, to write
2: it? Oh uh, well, one thing like um, that we thought about was well, one thing that came that was apparent to me was I didn't know that people were. Getting molested at the rate that they were being molested, mm-hmm. and I was blessed to you know never be molested in my life because my mom didn't play no games. Mm-hmm. You no, know, we couldn't go nowhere. No, you stay in this house. Yeah. Nobody ain't touching on you. You know. Yeah. Um. And as I believe it, Courtney has never been molested either. Okay. As I know. Okay. And um. But we 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 were on the phone one day and we started talking about how people you know were molested and it's like it kind of went past our heads. So it was like, we need to write a story about this. And so we did all our research, because we, listen, we research. Okay. <laughs> we did all our research, we looked up characteristics, and from those characteristics, we developed characters. So each character in the play is a characteristic of somebody who's been molested. Mm-hmm. And then you put them all in one place and then just watch the, watch the thing work out, so. And they have to confront a lot of demons. Yeah. They have to com- <laughs> confront a lot of demons. And uh, One thing I don't want to tell too much, but one thing um, that they they actually have moved into the house that they were molested in. Oh, okay. And so all of a sudden, all the, those Memories. feelings start to come back. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, wow. right. that one's going to be a... But you know what? As heavy as the content is, mm-hmm. when you read the dialogue that we have, it's so fun. Okay. Oh, my God. It's like they crack you up you know the characters they're lively and they're hilarious and so it's like it's not all the content is heavy but it, we were careful not to just make it a big deep dark mm-hmm. thing it was something that you can follow like you start to fall in love with the characters and love who they are and then all of a sudden it's explained why they are the way they are mm-hmm. so.
0: so um <clears throat> there's a uh, before i get into this next question all right you're from the north side,
2: the north side of Houston. Yeah, I'm from of Shreveport, Louisiana.
0: Okay, but okay. So when you moved, to, <laughs> so when you moved to Houston, what side of the city are you yeah, from? Acres Homes, East? Texas. Okay, and you went to what high school?
2: Um, I was supposed to go to MacArthur. I okay. went there my ninth grade year, and then I went to Carver okay. um, High School of Applied Technology, Engineering, and the Arts, <laughs> in which I was in the arts strand. Okay.
0: Okay, so there's a there's a kid from Acres Homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't be gender specific. Okay, there's a kid from Acres Homes. Uh, he goes to Carver, and he finds out that an alum from Carver is uh, heavy on the poetry scene, like mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. You are that person, right? What bit of advice are you gonna give him um, to get started with poetry and to make a headway in poetry?
2: Right. Um, don't be like me okay. and be so fearful. In the beginning of your career, and be afraid to write things that you know are true, and you know for a long time I only wrote about things. I never wrote about me and my connection to to life and how certain things showed up in my life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm ready to do that. Yeah. And you know, here I am. I've been performing for twenty almost eighteen years, and you know, so I would tell them like, "Hey, right now." Write what you feel. Write what you know is true and um be unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. because that's your truth. Yeah. And can't nobody tell you like that's not your truth. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the material that they will write from that perspective would be great. You know? I like you said, I, I teach um high school, middle school and now elementary. I go into the schools and I teach poetry and one thing I make sure is like that's not censor a voice. If you want to say it, say it. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Put that out there. Okay.
0: Um. So, um. Uh, most importantly, the last question I'll ask is, what's next for you,
2: Black Blues? Right. So I have the like I talked about the chapbook that I want to enter into a contest, and if that if I don't win. I'm still gonna put that chapbook out because it's like the concept for it is it's really good, and then um, I also want to actually publish the rest of my my poetry because um, that chapbook will be kind of themed. So I want to um, produce the rest of my poetry and put it in a book, so that'll come towards the end of the year, and then uh the chapbook should come earlier. I also want to finish the um, the play. There's a leak. It's the name of the play. Um, I want to finish that with Courtney. Uh, we also have a Black History program that we've been trying to get off the ground called Each One Teach One. Um, it does not have to happen in February because who says that's when Black History Month is? Mm-hmm. let us I mean, we can we can do that in March. April, <laughs> May, June, July. <laughs> Ain't Tangy shout out. <laughs> I, think, I think March is
0: National Women's Month, though.
2: Yeah, but we can still do it. Okay. Black women. Okay. If it's National Women's Month, we can focus on Black women. No doubt. And it's really a monthly program. Um, We have plenty of episodes. That like Courtney and I have a <laughs> history of starting things, okay. having great ideas that we never really finish. Yeah. So I want to definitely do those four things. So finish my chapbook, finish my published book with um, all my collection of poems, then the play. In the Black History Program. Okay, and I'm sure Jayla is gonna have something for me. And yeah, I'm so sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as a token of the podcast and my company, I like to present every feature that comes on the podcast with this Black SVI T shirt. It's mm-hmm. just a token that you were here, and whenever you wear it, I know that uh oh, Black Blues did my my uh, podcast.
2: Hey, okay. I like it. I'm gonna wear it with like I have this blue jean denim that I wear with no doubt. Maybe, maybe these white (laughs) (laughs) pants. I'm just playing. But thank you, thank you so much. No doubt,
0: no doubt. I want to say welcome to the '40s, Houston, Texas. I want to say Black Blues, you're the illest poet I know. Oh. I want to say Courtney Durden, Courtney Elaine, Courtney Elaine, the Courtney Elaine brand courtney elaine designs (laughs) i want to say welcome back to episode number 40 i want to say houston texas we are here happy thanksgiving everybody hey uh miss blue happy birthday to you miss blue i love Um, you welcome to sagittarius season Uh, and uh houston texas i do what i do for myself so that i can prove that i can do it for others peace and blessings
1: I feel like 95, Saatchi on my body Biggie, chicken Puffy, all that ballin' is a hobby And I'm wildin' in my Wally's, No valleys, no Pilates Moe get you more wet, nah that's these Pumante My crystal ball, I see crystal, I like crystal y'all with that I saw the sign like Ace face, that Ace's of it cracked me like Cheers to the money guys, the Willie niggas Who buy them bottles, and then they spill these liquors Yo yo, salute my dude, I see you dog. Five bottles, one dick, why I need two rugs? I know I'm out of line, but love is sour time You know it rose rain, when your cloud is nine Get off that high ass seat. this a private party Been on my dick too long, your breath on private party You gon' be nice and naughty, these walls on priceless arty This the upper crush, fuck is up Overcoast Yes we over, did it again Sipping with no remotes We gon' do it again And we gon' do it again What we doin' again? Oh.